Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is The Good Life, Part 4, Blessed Are the Meek, recorded Sunday, January 28, 2024. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. We are in that third beatitude where it says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And if you are a first century Roman or Greek, or if you're a 21st century American, the idea of being meek and inheriting the earth might be the most ludicrous thing you'll ever hear in your life. When you think like we think. Like like to our culture, it's the most ridiculous thing that Jesus ever said. Our dictionaries define meek this way, docile overly compliant, spiritless, yielding, tame. Another version of that in Merriam-Webster is mild, deficient in courage, submissive, weak. I mean, if, if, if you're in the Democratic or Republican Party right now, is the word meek showing up anywhere in your platform for the 24 elections? Like, Let's just try this in the debate, making meekness the strategy. Ain't going to happen, I'm telling you right now. I mean, what if you're one of the remaining NFL playoff teams? Congratulations. Andy Reid walks into the meeting room on last Monday, and he says, hey, guys, we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to install the meek game plan for Sunday. That should get us a Super Bowl. We're going meek this week. You think? Let's hope not. Not at least in the way that the world defines meek. Or even your particular workplace. Let's just throw our competitors for a loop and let's just go ahead and take the meek approach to the market share. That should work. No. Even in your personal life. Like like someone who likes to bully you, someone who's gonna harm you again with their manipulative ploys that they seem to want to use in your life. And so you're just going to say again and again, thank you, may I have another one, sir, or ma'am, whoever your gender is in the topic, (laughs) okay? See, if we're going to use the Merriam-Webster definition as mild, docile, overly compliant, weak, no thanks, I'm out. But as we've already seen in this series, in our Now the Word in the Third Beatitude, The way Jesus describes a good life is not the way our culture does, okay? It requires that I grasp his vision for a kingdom. And I cannot see these words from the 21st century American mindset. I just can't if I'm going to understand Jesus. And so think about it. The first beatitude was poor in spirit. Does that mean living in a state of depression and weakness and brokenness? No, it just means that I grasp my situation before a holy God. That I grasp that I, that I can trust my life to him if I, will, if I will submit myself to him. And then there's the second beatitude. We talked about it last week. Blessed are the mourn, those who mourn. It doesn't just mean feeling sad over loss. Yes, we do. Of course we do. Mourning is an appropriate response when we lose. It is. Jesus understood that, and he actually lived in mourning at times. 
But what it means is, from Jesus' perspective and this good life teaching, is that, that sin is the cause of, the ultimate cause of all pain and loss. And so we should mourn over sin. And we should mourn what it does in our lives, but we should also trust him for our comfort. And now here's the third one, meek. What's that all about? In the world we live in, can, can meekness be associated with anything other than they're going to kick your can all over the place philosophy? Like in this dog-eat-dog world, meek. Like against the most aggressive human beings on earth who are going to take control of everything if they can. Will meek work? Because here's what he says. He says we need meekness. So what does it mean to be meek? <laughs> Pretty important question. Understanding it might or might not help depending on where your soul is today. Now, think about, again, this audience that Jesus is talking to that day. I think it's really important to understand them. There's this mass of people, thousands of people, we believe, on, on the hillside in Galilee where he's teaching this. And he brings this good life message that sounds different than what they understood. Now remember, these people were physically poor. Like the vast majority of them had nothing. And they were also mourning because they were Israelites. And Israelites had lost their land. They'd been decimated over centuries of people, of invaders who had come in and taken everything from them over and over and over again. They were living in that life. They had lost it. They lost their protected standing with God. And here's the worst part about it. They did it to themselves. They did it to themselves. They lost their land. They lost their status with God. They lost their cattle, their farming, their vineyards to others. They, they were overtaxed. They were underpaid. They, most of them owned nothing. And from a national viewpoint and their personal experience, any kind of inheritance didn't make sense to them because they had lost everything. But I want you to see what happened. Okay, this is back in Psalm 37, beginning with verse 3. It describes a guarantee. It describes a warning and then a promise. And this is why Jesus is there that day. Here's, here's the guarantee. It starts with the guarantee. Here's what it says. God says this to us. He says it to them. He says it to, for, to all people at all times. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's an unmitigated promise from God forever and ever. Amen. Okay? Now, here's the problem. They stopped trusting in the Lord. They started taking over for themselves. They put their trust in human beings who they thought would give them stuff, power, glory on earth. So here's the warning. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow and bring down the poor and needy to slay those whose ways are upright. And that is precisely what happened to them. That nation, those people. And the result were the people on the hillside in the first century AD. Broken. Beaten. Bent. But there's a promise. The promise comes then later. It says this in verse 15. It says, but their swords, those who broke you, will pierce their own hearts. 
their bows will be broken. That's, that's the promise forward. And that is the message of Jesus to the people on the hillside on that moment and that day as he gives this magnificent sermon. He says, you will inherit the earth if you are willing to become meek. Mm, there it is. What does that mean? So in Greek thought, which many of them were inundated with, meekness actually was a virtue. It's like when we think about meek, we don't think about that, not in our American culture. We don't think about meek as a virtue. We, we, but they saw meek kind of like humility, like we do. Like we see humility as a virtue. Like if you say to anybody, hey, do you think humility is a good thing? Most people say, yeah, that's, that's a good thing. Is weakness a good, or meekness a good thing? No, that's weakness. <laughs> See, we, we, don't, we don't understand, but that they saw, in the Greek culture, they saw meekness as kind of a happy medium between strength and humility. So they wanted their leaders, for instance, and they would describe the best leaders as meek because they both had some humility but also some strength to them. And that's the kind of king that Jesus came to give the world. Like, let me show you a passage in Zechariah chapter 9, a prophecy about the kind of king that God offers us. Here's what it says. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, listen to these words, righteous and victorious. Does that sound weak? Not to me. Lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, that, I got problems with that. Like, I get the righteous and victorious stuff. A mighty fortress is our God. You know, I'm like, go, right? But a baby donkey? Like, I mean, I don't know about you, but until Jesus did it, like, no one's thinking any king's going to ride in on a donkey. It's like, the Hummers? Yeah. Tanks? You bet. Air Force One? Land that, land that baby. Bring it on. A donkey? A baby donkey? No. Really? Isaiah chapter 42. Here's my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one whom I delight. This is God talking about Jesus. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. Yeah. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. What does meek mean? It means treating people with dignity and respect and bringing justice. And if you have power like a Greek king, it means you don't choose to dominate and control people. You choose through humility to lead them. And that's the king he offers. Blessed are the meek. Meekness is controlled strength that puts everything in the hands of God. And by the way, you, wouldn't you like to have that kind of leader? 
like the kind of leader who treats people with respect and leads them with dignity and who has enough humility to understand their own sin and yet it's not, they're not willing to let their sin keep them from being a strong leader. I'll take that kind of leader any day of the week. To that first century Palestinian, that was music to their ears. And here's what he says you'll get. Blessed are the meek, for you inherit the earth. Now, what's that all about? I mean, how is it you're going to get the earth? Because they're saying, these people had no earth. They had no land. They were, they were popping around on the land, but they didn't own any of it. They had been under the attitude of domination and control their whole lives. But he's saying, look, if, if you really want to find your way to the top, it starts with meekness. Golly, let's get some of that in Lincoln, Nebraska. Washington, D.C., London, Tehran, Beijing, Palestine, Jerusalem, Wall Street, the corporate center of your company, wherever that is. But I doubt anyone would say that with a straight face. Hey, let's consider meekness as our long-term strategy here. I mean, in those rooms, what are said, dominate, control, survive, be strong, hostile takeover, survival of the fittest, the dog eats the dog. Now hear me. That approach is fantasy. You know why? Because in the real world, people who live that way, ultimately they lose biggest. They don't win. They lose, ultimately. The great 18th century president Abraham Lincoln was fond of saying, what kills a skunk is the publicity it gives itself. You are dead today. I want to tell you, that first crowd, that 9 o'clock people that got up early to come to church, they were all over that. They're, Boom, man, that was good. <laughs> you, not so much. Do you get it, though? Like... Like, it's another way of saying that creating a stink gets me noticed, but it might not also get me what I want. <laughs> Jesus is right, as Jesus is always right, and he, he's just saying meekness, that's the best practical approach to life. The best things happen when I treat people with respect and dignity. You know, uh, we're training our law enforcement officers to de-escalate using communication and, and, and speaking with people, to people as peers and with dignity before we go to a, a position of, of force and domination. Now, when people are going to hurt other people, obviously law enforcement has to take a harder approach. But the point is, dignity and respect create friends who are assets. Domination and control create enemies who are obstacles. Now, before you go all American on I me, mean, I want you to know I'm, I'm American, okay? I've been American all my life. So I, I, there are things I trust about our country that, that I think are important. But I'm no pacifist. I'm kind of political. But please hear me. The teachings of Jesus are given to those of us in the kingdom of heaven not the kingdom of America or the kingdom of France or the kingdom of Mexico or the kingdom of Guatemala or wherever you're from or whatever you think the best kingdom on earth is, okay? Here's the deal. 
The minute we start treating our neighbors as opponents that need to be dominated and subjugated, we have already lost, according to Jesus. Peter, who was the man who Jesus had to stop from killing his arresters in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before his crucifixion, Peter is a man who learned how to become a leader of controlled strength and humility, a leader of meekness. And here's what he says. I like this. It's like this is years, like maybe decades after the Peter that started out with Jesus. He asked this question. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? That's a good question. Think about that. But even if you should suffer for what is right, which you might, because there are people who will harm people who do good, still you're blessed. Apparently he was sitting on the hillside listening that day. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have here it is, like this is not the Peter of Matthew chapter 5, really, not yet. This is the Peter of decades later. He says, do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ, they will be ashamed of their behavior. See, Jesus promises that if we will be people of strength under control, that's meekness in my mind, spiritual strength under control in my physical everyday life, if, if I will choose not to go base on people every time I want to, if I will operate based on my conscience and my morality framed by the gospel of Jesus, his kingdom, I will inherit the earth. So what does that seem like in 2024? I'm going to pick out a couple areas. Politics. Yep, politics. Yeah, he's going to talk about politics, everybody. You close your eyes, close your ears. I don't know. What does meek mean when it comes to politics and political matters? Let me, let me, look, should I care about my particular nation, state, locality, and politics? Absolutely. Absolutely I should care. But does it mean that I should take an ethnic other than Jesus's in my approach? Absolutely not. I mean, like, what should I not be in politics if I'm going to follow the ethic of Jesus? I should not be shockingly toxic every time I talk about it. I should not be a person who demonizes and demoralizes other people who hold different views than me, even though I'm very strongly feeling like I feel about my views. Because you know what? They are image bearers of Jesus just like I am, or at least of a human being who's created in the image of God. Maybe not Jesus. I don't know what their, their spiritual life is. Because if I abandon meekness to win an argument, I've just made an enemy. And you know what? I don't need more enemies. What about with my marriage? What about with my family? 
What about in my workplace? What about in the school I attend and the other places I live and breathe day in and day out? You know, the man who said, blessed are the meek for you inherit the earth, eventually hung on a cross. And in that action, listen now, listen, he did. He inherited everything. He did. But meekness to me is scary because it means I got to give up stuff. I got to stop. I got to say, I'm not going to be the dominator. I'm not going to be in control of everything. And I got to set my fear aside so that I can trust him more than I trust myself. How is it that meek inherits the earth? I think there's a sense in which all the teaching of Jesus Christ, the teaching of the whole scripture, have an undeniable view of this future hope. Like, you know, we're, we know, you know, I see as a future promise. There is a day when it's all going to be made right. Everything's, every, everything bad and, and misplaced and wrong and, and out of sorts will go away. And a new heaven, a new earth will come and then we'll be, because we're inheriting that new heaven and earth because of him, we're going to be a part of that. That's great. That's, that's the future. But I think it's more than that. I think Jesus is teaching that meekness is how we're saved. He's teaching how we should come to God. He's teaching us the necessary posture of our soul before God. He's teaching that for me to come to him, it means I do need to repent of my sin and, and acknowledge that. And I, I need to trust in him that he can save me though I know how despicably bad I've been in my world and life and how completely out of sorts I've been in life. To inherit the earth is to have peace with God. And that can be as soon as now, not just in the future. You know what? Sometimes we just use our pride and insecurity to cover all that up. Like we think, well, if I'm just good enough, if I just figure this stuff out, if I just start being a different kind of person, if I start, you know, if I start being better understood, if people started understanding me for who I really am and not who I show them I am, <laughs> figure that out. But then, you know, then it's going to be okay. You know what? Meekness is being honest with God about my weakness. And, and then God can help me. God can lift me up. And then the world is my oyster, so to speak, because of what he can do. Because he sees me for who I am, he accepts that, but he takes me from that, and it brings confidence regardless of what other people think about me. Because you know what God says to me, and you if you'll let it? I'm in the will. Like, I get an inheritance. I like that. Are you honest with God about your insecurities? In meekness, Jesus came to prove to you that God considers you worthy of receiving an inheritance. But meekness is what opens my heart to his glory, to Jesus. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious lowly riding on a donkey humbly on a colt in the full of a donkey 
Lord, it, this world just pounds on us. Tells us over and over and over again, we have to be the ones who control it. Or we never can because we just don't have what it takes. And then here you come. Right. Holding victory in the palm of your hand to protect us, to stand for the oppressed, to stand for those who are being marginalized and broken and beaten down maybe more importantly than anything by their own decision-making and sin. And here's our moment to humble ourselves before you and accept that you have a better thing than our thing. And in this moment, let us reflect on that and let it be a part of how we see this celebration as we commune with you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I like, I like how in that song we just sang that, the, the statement, your way is better. And I think, you know, here we're going, yeah, you know, our heart beats that way. God, your way is better. But in the real world, we really, it's, it's every day, isn't it? It's like every day, every, sometimes every moment of every day, we really have to make ourselves lean into that because we know what this world's like, you know. Like, I was thinking about this in, in, the, in the regard to, to the words humiliation and humility. Like, like, there's a difference, right? There's a difference between humiliation and humility, a significant difference. Like, humiliation is when I'm forced and, I, and I'm an unwilling participant into a position. And again, these people on that hillside back in the first century, that's what they were. They were humiliated people. Jesus comes and he brings the message of humility. The difference is humility is when I voluntarily, I willingly choose to accept my life and live in honor of my creator in the midst of whatever life brings me. And that doesn't sound easy either, because it's not. But it is the basic premise of these good life beatitudes. Again, like, can the chiefs do meek and succeed? Absolutely. Because I want them to play with controlled strength today. But I hope that when they walk in the field, they haven't given up their soul, you know, like human beings. You know what I'm saying? Because you can do that. What about Mr. President and whoever the next Mr. President is or Miss, Miss President, whoever it is? Yes, please, give me, give me a leader with biblical meekness, no pretension, freedom from malice, freedom from vengefulness. Oh, please, please do. And you and me? What about at home? What about at work? Is there a situation in your life you're involved with right now where the status of meekness of Jesus might just turn the tide of your God placement in the world or their world. Like a place where our king can lead us in a relationship. And it changes that relationship. I want you to see how Paul explains this transformation that God wants to do in our lives 
to a, a, a preacher named Titus. Titus was a former worldly Greek who became a church planter to Gentiles in, in, in cities around the Gentile world. Here's what he says. He reminds him of what he once was and what, he wants, what God wants him to become. At one time, you too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we'd done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit of whom he poured on us so generously through Jesus Christ so that having been justified by his grace, listen, listen, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. He saves us. He changes us. He washes us. He pours his Holy Spirit into our lives. All we got to do is say yes to that. If you're ready for that, we're ready for it too. So let us know. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.